Hey and welcome to the first video lecture on GP Core Content. In this episode we're going to talk about orbital cellulitis. It's brought to you by those great guys at GP Core Content, i.e. me. If you like this, please buy the book. The book's a basically a workbook working through every possible KFP question on ophthalmology. Currently there's 20 uh, and it's being increased all the time and it should be 50 by the time it's actually finished. So in the case today, we've got Hillary. She's got a painful red eye. It's really swollen and red. And it looks like this, and she's really worried. Obviously, the case today is about orbital cellulitis. Uh, so we'll do a bit of background. So orbital cellulitis is a site-threatening, potentially life-threatening ophthalmic emergency caused by the local infection of soft tissue behind the orbital septum. It's most common in children, though it can occur at any age. And it usually originates from local infection that spreads. This is contrasted to periorbital or preceptal cellulitis, which always stays anterior to the orbital septum and is less of an emergency than orbital cellulitis. Noting it can progress to orbital cellulitis. The key features of history in orbital cellulitis are having a massively swollen red eye. You may have visual disturbances, you might have diplopia or blurry vision, you might have pain on eye movement and you may have fever and malaise, which can be quite severe. On history as well, you want to ask about risk factors, which would include any recent urtes, sinusitis, dental surgery, general surgery or trauma, or an immune compromise. On exam, um, you'll be looking for systemic features like fever and malaise, uh, and it seems like in some of the literature they talk about temp of 37.5 being a cutoff in this case. You might see things like eyelid edema and noting that's limited to the upper eyelid and doesn't extend into the brow. Eye erythema, chemoses, which is a swollen red uh, conjunctiva. Decreased visual, visual acuity in some cases. And oral signs like proptosis, gaze restriction, diplopia, visual blurring, pain and eye movement, relative afferent pupillary defect, and papilledema. Other pearls are that if you get a non-axial proptosis, that might suggest you've got a subperiosteal or intraorbital abscess. An extension of the infection into the cavernous sinus produces contralateral orbital involvement, trigeminal dysfunction, and more marked systemic illness. An intracranial extension will cause meningitis and possibly brain abscesses. So they're both kind of extensions of that uh, orbital or cellulitis or orbital abscess involvement. On exam, in periorbital cellulitis, however, you'll see fever and eyelid edema as well, which may extend further into the eyebrow, erythema, chemoses, and ptosis, but you shouldn't see any of those orbital signs that we talked about before, such as proptosis, gaze restriction, diplopia, visual blurring, pain and eye movement, relative afferent pupillary defect, and papilledema. Uh, and again, another major differential is cavernous sinus thrombosis. has a lot of overlapping features, including fever, headache, mental status changes, nuchal rigidity, chemoses, proptosis, and impaired extraocular muscle motility. So the causes of orbital cellulitis include immune compromise, dental surgery, early sinusitis, local skin trauma, or infection, such as dacrocystitis or hoidolium. Uh, eyebrow piercing, and it's noting that you get increased rates of orbital cellulitis in winter as those IOERTI rates increase. 
bacteria that can cause orbital cellulitis include Staph aureus and Epidermidis, Strep species, anaerobes, and MRSA. The differentials include orbital versus preceptal cellulitis, and you want to, you know, make sure you've excluded cavernous sinus thrombosis as well, which has those overlapping features, but has more of those neuroscines. Other differentials would include necrotizing fasciitis, a severe allergic or viral conjunctivitis, or angioedema, and Graves' ophthalmopathy gets a run as well. The key investigations are that it's usually a clinical diagnosis, but you want to do investigations to find a root cause, and they might include full blood count, looking for Luke's more than 15, blood cultures, which are normally negative. If you have any discharge, you want to swab it. You want to do CT of the sinuses and orbit if you've ever got any doubt over the differentiating of orbital versus periorbital. MRI if you've got cavernous sinus thrombosis thoughts. And you can do an LP once you've pulled out increased intracranial pressure as well. In terms of management, the key features of management are that you want to refer to the ED. And if it's orbital cellulitis, they'll be looking at hospital admission, empirical treatment, with IV antibiotics, third generation cephalosporins or beta-lactamase resistant antibiotics, and any possible anaerobes you might want to treat with metronidazole or clindamycin. The complications of orbital cellulitis include exposure, keratopathy, which is basically causes permanent scarring on your cornea, raised intraocular pressure, uh, retinal arterial or venous occlusions, endophthalmitis or optic neuropathy, uh, orbital abscesses can cause total loss of vision if they extend into the optic nerve and any intracranial extension will you know, go on to cause meningitis, brain abscesses or cavernous sinus thrombosis. If that cavernous sinus thrombosis becomes septic um, or you get an intracranial sepsis that can lead to death, which is bad. So in terms of the sources, these are the main sources that we used to um, generate this lecture. And if you like this, um, please buy the book. It's got uh, a lot of KFP cases in there. It's got 20 at the moment. Each each case has about 10 to 15 sub-questions covering the entire range of ophthalmologic questions that could be covered by KFP. Thanks a lot for listening. Oh, and watching. <laughs>